Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Informational Interviews. I am Matt Ringler, the host of these uh, sets of informational interviews, and today we have Carlo Lahura. Carlo is currently an actuarial consultant at Ernest & Young, and Mr. Lahura has constantly proven that he is one of the most driven and inspirational figures within the field of actuarial science. He graduated from the University of Waterloo as valedictorian of his class, president of numerous or organizations, all while passing seven actuarial exams. He achieved his ACAS in January of 2018 and his FCAS in June 2019. Carlo, how are you doing today? Hey Matt, I'm doing great here. Enjoying the lovely sunshine we seem to get in out here today. How about you? <laughs> Fantastic, I am doing well. Well, without further ado, let's dive right into the questions. Alrighty, and can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your uh, professional story? Yeah, definitely. So right now I'm working as a PNC actuary at EY in Chicago for the last few years or so. Um, as I said, I graduated back in 2017 from college with the exams, the grades, presidencies. And I would say if, if I had to summarize my professional story, I would say that it's been one uphill battle the, my entire life. I... I, back in my childhood, I, I had chronic stuttering. I wasn't able to talk properly. I, my, my family were living paycheck to paycheck, didn't have much money as, um, as immigrants to, to Canada. And I was bullied for a weight problem that I had back then because elementary years can't be tough. And I think from that one those those problems that I those not problems I would say those those things that I had about myself ended up teaching me the most about just how in life the more effort and time you put into something the more you can get out of it for chronic stuttering the more I devoted myself to it and went through one of the toughest challenges to the state on how to overcome it uh, the more I was, actually, I was actually able to overcome it and eventually be able to, 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 to give presentations to massive audiences for, from, from the weight side, the more I started exercising, the more I was able to actually adopt a healthier lifestyle and what I wanted to, what I wanted to be. And I think from that, I took those learnings and applied it to college, going into it with just average grades, no extracurriculars, no work experience, uh, no exams, uh, like I think majority of people. I noticed then maybe if I just start putting more time and effort into myself, then I'll be able to graduate with a, a lot of exams, a lot of extracurriculars. I don't know what it is, but I just know that I have to try. In my freshman year, I told myself that I have to try and I have to, I think looking back on it, focus more on enjoying the process rather than focusing on the end result. So in life, the more effort and time you put into something, the better you get at it and the better the results are that you withdraw from the process. All right, so on to the next question. What tips can you offer actuarial students who are looking to grow their network and or looking to improve their networking skills? Ah, networking, that's... Networking is probably one of the most uncomfortable things as uh, actors that we can get into. We're all good at the technicals and everything, but it always comes to the soft skills that it seems to be one of our challenge areas. And I know for for myself, for networking, I I, I was the same thing as well too back back in college in my first and second years. You know, you go up to the representative. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm trying to make myself likable, but then it doesn't feel authentic. You can feel the conversations not go as well. And I just want to say with that, it's not it, networking. It's, it's difficult, but it's like anything else. It can be improved with enough practice. And look, this is, this is what I did. And this is what I encouraged a lot of other people to do and have had good results of it as well too it literally is one of those things where practice makes perfect and look me back in college having having noticed that i i wasn't as good at networking as i wanted to be and i wanted to get better i in the beginning of my third year i made it a challenge to myself that i was going to go to as many info sessions as possible right networking sessions and 
in the span of the first in the fall semester, right? I ended up going to literally, I think it was 12 or 13 networking sessions in the span of a couple weeks. And let me tell you, the first few were not good, right? I, I didn't have the best questions, even the conversations, they didn't know how to pick it up. But here's the thing, from the first, from the first handful of sessions that I went to, I, you, ended up, you ended up picking, picking up themes, right, on what works, what doesn't. I started noticing some questions that I was asking work, what other questions didn't, and even with the questions that worked, I started noticing what ways of taking the conversation made sense, what other ways didn't make sense. And even from there, even if I wasn't the one talking, if, I'm, if, if I was just standing behind, right, waiting in line or in a group, in a group networking sessions, I, I found even those experiences um, insightful and because I was able to learn from both the successes and mistakes of my peers. So you can imagine from every networking session, even if I wasn't getting anything out of it, which I was not, I, I, those sessions were pretty, pretty fruitless in regards to job interviews or job offers, but they ended up aligning a lot of the a lot of my comfort skills and strategies when it comes to networking so much that it ended up coming to whenever I went to a networking session in the later part of my of my uh, listen, uh, senior junior and senior years I, I felt like I was able to pretty comfortably just weave into whatever conversation it is I have a really great time with the representative and I always ended up getting interview offers from that and from there, it wasn't any. It wasn't even any talents. <laughs> there was no talent about that. It was literally just when you do something so many times, and you learn, and you learn from others who've done it so many times, you eventually just become ended up coming good at it yourself. Like it happened to me. So, it really, it's one of the things. Practice makes perfect. If you're not putting yourself out there and going to info sessions and networking sessions and crashing and burning. You're not going to be learning. You're going to be stuck. Unfortunately, you're going to be stuck at the same stage that you were before versus other people who keep on trying, keep on getting back up and keep on learning from their mistakes. Now, I just wanted to say that emphasizing practice makes perfect. Um, I think off the top of my head for, for some things that I would, I would highlight from my learnings is that info sessions, for, for networking sessions, it's not, it's not a Q&A. It should not be a Q&A, it should be a conversation. And from there, I would, right now, even right now, whenever I go to, well, I guess right now it would be different. Since would it be for jobs if it just more for networking? But if I was going into it for a job aspect, um, I, would, I wouldn't be focusing so much on the first question I'd be asking, but more of how do I, how do I carry on the conversation afterwards, right? And that only comes to practice makes perfect again. But I would highlight some of the favorite questions I had before as well to some of the ones right now from the representative side from EY. And right now I want to say as well too that anything I say right now are my own views, not EY's. They're my own views as Carlo. Um, I would say some of the best questions I, I would get is, if, like Carlo, if, if you were done... Carlo, let's say, and I guess this was before when I was still studying for exams. Carlo, so what are you going to do with your free time once you finish with your exams? Right? And that, and that can be a really good question because you're asking someone about themselves. And majority, I think majority, if not of all people, love talking about themselves. Right? And not only that, but you're also asking them on basically what are they passionate about? What do they want to be doing afterwards? And when you get someone to talk both about themselves and also about what they like, that's where you're going to have a really positive impact on the representative. And as soon as they start talking about that, if I was a student, I would be doing a lot of active listening, right? With the uh-hums and the nodding. And I would be trying to find what, what snippet, what sentence, what sentence they say that I can then take in another way from there. For example, if I would hear to ask me, Carla, what are you going to be doing in your free time? I'm going to be saying, oh, I'm, I'm planning on going traveling to, to Europe, right? And, and, if, I, and if, if, if I was a student and I heard that, I would, then I would say, oh, I've been, I, I actually just came back from France with my family and whatnot, and then just go along that way of traveling. Um, I know people <laughs> in networking, that's one of the things I do right now, 
And I especially, and this is one of the best things I found out since I like traveling so much. I am very comfortable with networking sessions now because no matter who I talk to, usually since they're in the electoral field, most likely they've traveled abroad and I've been able to have some really great conversations, just going up to partners, executives and ask them where their next trip is going to be because they usually would have been going traveling abroad. And since I've traveled a lot myself, then we end up having really awesome conversations from that. So um, that's what I found out about myself. And guess what? That just came from practice makes perfect. The more you do these type of things, the easier it gets. And the best part of this is, if you're a college student right now, listening to this, college is the best place to start. Because no matter how many times you crash and burn at this, and let me tell you, you will crash and burn at this, once you graduate college, no one's going to know that you failed, right? You kind of like it, I, I like to think about it, it about it as when you graduate college, you kind of start off with a blank slate that a lot of the stuff that you did back in college, be it be the successes, the failures, whatnot, even if it was really big failures, it doesn't really follow you into full time where no one really knows much about your college experience or what you did back then. So it, as I would say from college, it's kind of like a nice safe playground where you can really experiment, fail, and then once going full-time, you can take all the learnings you had and then start off at a high level, high performing level just from that. And from the, yeah, just to say that, that in regards to networking really is practice makes perfect. It's not a Q and A, it's a conversation. And it really is, it, there's no one size, uh, one size fits all there. It really is one of the things you have to go into it. The more you do it, the better, I promise you that the more you do it, the better you'll get at it for sure. That's a fantastic insight. And um, I'm kind of glad you kind of tied it back to your first answer um, is a lot of people are afraid to fail. And that's probably one of the re main reasons why a lot of students, you know, don't really go out and put themselves out there in, in networking scenarios like this. But um, going out there and doing it in college, like you said, is one of the best times to go and do this. Because, you know, afterwards, no one's really going to care. You know, you graduated, you passed your exams, you got the job. Um, and now no one's really going to look back in the color and be like, oh, remember him at the career fair? He did this or anything like that. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, so great insights for that. Thank you very much. Um, so what advice would you offer to an actuarial student on how to brand themselves for potential internships or job prospects? Hearing this really reminds you of the, what's happening right now with COVID-19. I've been getting that quite a bit right now, actually. Um, from LinkedIn and whatnot. And I would say first, I guess we'll, we'll cover the cover the COVID. Actually, actually, actually let's cover the COVID-19 first. So first of all, this is, this is probably one of the, I'm just gonna be straight up, right? This is probably one of the most toughest times to be, to be going into, to, to be seeking employment, right? Whether it be internships, full times, whatnot. A lot of things are up in the air, all the restrictions. First of all, I want to say that that in the end, well, let's say you're looking for an internship. I think in the grand scheme of things, five years after you graduate, heck, even a couple years after you graduate, it, it won't matter if you have gotten that internship or not. I think your your full-time experience, like like your like your promotion five, ten years, twenty years down the road, it's not gonna matter whether you had an internship back at the end of your junior year, sophomore year, whatnot. So so first off, I want to say that it's, it can be argued as immaterial. Now, second of that, for since the internship can be kind of regarded as immaterial from there, how about full-time then, right? So that's, that's a bigger concern here. Well, insurance in general, it's a pretty inelastic product where no matter how bad the economy is doing and at this point anything that's happened in the economy it's, it's not it's, it's not like the it's not like the great depression these things are just really it's just temporary right so insurance in a sense demand is going to be I, I believe largely unaffected people still need car insurance home insurance a lot of other life life insurance health insurance like th those things you still pay premiums for companies insurance companies i don't personally I don't see them firing actuaries as a result of this because the demand is not going down. So therefore, the number of full-time 
opportunities, it's not going to change. So this pandemic, so right now, input might be stalled. It might be for, for other things, mostly the lack of mobility and just uncertainty in it. But I think in the grand scheme of things, like the internship is going to be immaterial and the number of full-time opportunities, that's not going to change. It's all going to be fairly, whatever number of opportunities were before, they're still going to be now. So from that, I believe this COVID-19 is more kind of like just a timeout. It's a timeout thing. And from there, I would say I wouldn't stress about it as much because of that. Info that's a lot easier said than done, I can imagine. But I want to let you know that everyone's in the same boat from that. And in the end, I think the people who pre-pandemic were going to get the full-time interviews and offers. I don't see that group of people changing as in that being significantly smaller um, after after a few months, after a year, when the pandemic is better handled. So I want to say from that, overall for COVID-19, it's not going to be as catastrophic fractures. It's a pretty insulated profession. So from that, in regards to branding yourself as a student for opportunities and whatnot, I would say for, first off, uh, among college students, um, and this is what I would tell myself as well too, this for for the people interviewing you they don't expect you to be experts they do not expect you to even if you did an internship or even even if you didn't do an internship they don't expect you to know everything about insurance no one does and that can be taught right models can be taught programming can be taught and topics of the industry those can be taught so in the end it's not so much of what you know already about the industry but it's more of showing that you're eager to learn and i mean authentically showing that genuinely showing that that you're eager to learn hopefully you're you're aligning yourself more along that path of being eager to learn and also just about potential right and how much potential they have as a future actuary how how's your leadership potential technical potential what what have you made out of yourself right now in college, what do you have on your resume? What have you done there? Because that, not all the time, but that can be a good proxy in regards to just how much, how much you're going to be invested in your own personal development in college. So I believe those are really important things to remember that we're not expecting you to be an expert of things, but we do want you to be eager to learn. And I think from there, and this is just, honestly, this is just one of the, one of the hard truths, I think, about the world we live in, that likability can play a big factor when it comes to things. Not only when it comes to, to job interviews, offers, but also like who's, who's, who's securing the next client or who's getting the, the next block of business. A lot of it, it's just networking, right? Do I like you? Not, not like, do, do I like you? Like, are you a genuinely good person? But it's more of, do we have chemistry? Can I get along with you? And I think one of the biggest, biggest realizations that I had back in college was that when I was interviewing, was the, the interviewer would be thinking of me that, is this Carlo guy? Is this someone that I'd want to be spending? Is this someone that I can see getting along with? Because I'm going to be spending more time with Carlo than I am with my own family, right? A full-time job, it's 40 plus hours a week. And even right now, if, if I was interviewing an intern, I gotta be thinking, well, can I, can I get along with you if we're stuck in the same environment for 40 plus hours a week? I want someone who not only can get along well with me, but also with my, with my team or whoever I'm working with. So I wanna say for that, it's a, it can, a good part of networking can, can come down to likability which at that point, how can you be more likable, right? And I think even in networking as well too, a lot of it comes down to just how, how well, how, how, how likable you are, right? Are you making people laugh? You're making people enjoy the conversation, whatnot. I think from that, two things. Practice makes perfect. I can't emphasize that enough. Like, I, I can't, it is, a lot of it just comes down to practice makes perfect. Um, I even had an, an executive tell me that a global chief factory that literally with any anything on this world you do it enough times you're going to become an expert at it so practice makes perfect 
I think from the other side of things, uh, and this is one thing that I really like doing in my free time, is going on, on YouTube. There's this YouTube channel called Charisma on Command. It's such a fantastic resource on, I think, not only on likability, but more charisma, right? How to be a more charismatic person and also personal development and just becoming a better you. And I think I know myself, I've learned so much from that channel. It's been such a great resource. Even right now, I still watch a lot of videos from it. And I think that channel in itself, it's literally just 10 minute videos on a certain charisma topic, right? Networking failures, how to make people enjoy the conversation more, how to better read people. There's so many things in regards to soft skills than I think in general, since, since it's not an actress, uh, strength right i know for myself speaking it's helped me a lot when it comes to people interactions that uh right now when it comes to networking sessions i i used to be nervous going into them right be, i used to be thinking oh will they like me how the conversation go but right now um after doing a lot of practice makes perfect watching those videos and just general experience overall i come a lot more confident in networking aspect where just striking up a conversation with whoever and just and just and i think a lot of it it's not only just being able to strike up a conversation, right? Because it doesn't, like anyone can say, right? Hi, how are you? My name is so-and-so. How, how, how's the weather? What are you doing? What are you working, right? But I think a lot of it comes down to how do you carry the conversation from there, right? You're making them feel heard and you're making them feel, feel, feel like, feel, feel interested to, and, and a lot of things along that, that line of thinking. So um, going back to it in regards to Brandon, I think Brandon in the end, I, the last thing I'd want to say to that really is years from now, right? Years from now, you're not going to remember. And from any conversation if you've had, right? You are not going to remember what they told you, right? You're not going to remember what words they told you, sentences they told you, what, what, whatever word, factual things they told you. You're, you're not going to remember them from that. You're not going to remember that but you are going to remember how they made you feel. And that's a really important part of if, um, human psychology, right? We don't remember what people told us, right? Even right now, thinking back from college years, I don't remember what some managers told me or what some of my, how, how some of my, what, what some of my friends told me in some of the my toughest times, but I will always remember how they made me feel. And going back to that, I think on brand, at one point on brand, it's going to become of who's talked to you and how do they talk about you to other people when your name comes up in the conversation? At that point, it's not going to be of what you told them, but it's more of literally how you made them feel. So that's my long <laughs> winded answer in regards to, to Brandon. It's a, really, it's a really complex, I think, complex topic overall, but it's a lot of practice makes perfect. Again, I, that's just my easy go-to excuse now, by the way. What I don't know an answer to a question. It's going to be practice makes perfect, okay? You know, in all honesty, though, that's a pretty good answer because majority of the time that is always going to be the answer. You always got to keep practicing. But um, in all honesty and in all candor, that is true for branding. Um, if you really want to get good at it, you have to practice. Um, and I, I really like that resource that you kind of um, commented on, Charisma on Command. I have not heard of that, so I'll, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm kind of curious about that myself. So cool. That's awesome. Um, so what is a crucial mistake that you see actuarial science students commit while in college? And what might you suggest that we do to like fix this mistake that occurs way too frequently? Oh man, uh, I think it's literally believing in, uh, I, I literally, I already, I already said this before, I'm thinking, should I say something else? I'll say it again. <laughs> um, it's not practice makes perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's, that's not a mistake. That, that's a truth here. So, but I think it's believing that failure doesn't happen to everyone. Because and I, I just want to be more transparent from, from my college experience. I, I ended up graduating. I ended up graduating with the resume I did. But in the end, like there, there were midterms that I failed. There were, I, I had, I did have really just breakdowns in my room of, of my room alone, right? Of how stressful college, college can be. College can be really stressful, right? I, I cried. I know a lot of people have cried. No one talks about it. I've after college talked to my friends, some of the most successful ones from university, and they said, "Yeah, they had breakdowns as well too." Everyone has it. It's I think 
it's a tough, it's a tough truth about college, but no one, you don't see that from anyone, right? How many times I've seen on Instagram, how many times I've gone on Instagram, Facebook and see someone say, Oh, I just failed the, the, the best interview I've ever had, right? I failed it or I failed my midterm or I had a horrible job intern. I didn't get the internship offer or the full-time offer, right? No one says that. No one says that. I don't think from there, it, it ends up having a lot of psychological impacts on students who are just starting out and they see everyone, it just seems like everyone's succeeding around them because everyone's talking about the success, no one enough about the failure. So from that, I want to say that like everyone goes for it. Everyone goes for it. I went for it. I think in the end, this, the really successful people that come out of college and I think the full times once as well too over the career are the ones that just don't give up because it literally is and no matter how, no matter how tough life is on you life can't beat you if you don't give up if you refuse to give up and i think from there um what what one of the things i guess in regards to going around fixing this 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 mistake right it's it's, it's not it's i don't think it's anyone's fault to to believe it i think it's just the way you observe and no one's failing okay probably if, if i'm failing then that means i'm a failure no it's not i think the way to fix that is on not making excuses on why you're not where you want to be right one of my favorite quotes right now is to be in the top one percent you got to be willing to do what the other 99% will not do, right? That's, that's literally just a mathematical proof right there. And from that, let's extend that, right? If you want to be, if you want to have a grade, right? If you want your, your grade or GPA to be in the 10% highest of students, guess what? You're going to be willing to study more than the 90% of students, right? And if you want to be getting one of the top best job offers that's only offered to the top 5% of students, you got to be willing to have a resume that's more stacked in extracurriculars, uh, grades, uh, whatever is exams well too. You got to be willing to have more of, of, that, of that bucket there, more than what the other 95% have. At that point, a lot of it I think comes down to just time and effort and I, I say that for for exams for example uh, for myself back in college right I graduated of seven with seven exams and I think one of the things that I learned from that is that every time I went into exam it was always I always shut everything off I would be going 12 14 hour study days I would not be doing any socializing hardly any socializing any partying I would not be distracted because I was laser focused, I'm gonna pass this exam, I don't care how much it hurts, I'm doing it. When it came to grades, the same thing, I had average grades in, in, my, in my first year, um, my college did off a percentage, 100 out of 100, 100 points, right, 100 percentage points. Um, I, my first, I believe my first semester was 75, 78% average. And from then, I told myself, you know what, no, this can be better. I'm going to study more and get it more efficient. And then from there, by the end of my second year, my grades literally just went on a linear, a linear increase. First, first semester, uh, my first year was, what did I say, mid-70, right? Mid, high 70, something like that. Second semester, I think it was 86. Then it was a 90, 95, and then low 90, I believe, by the end of my, what would that be, sophomore, sophomore year. Yes, and I come from a Canadian university. We don't do this junior, sophomore, junior stuff. We do first, second year, third year, fourth year. So I'm, I'm summing there. That, that's my excuse for that. I just, I just said to not make any excuses, right? I take that back. That's not my excuse. <laughs> I, I got to get more acclimated with my audience. So, um, so from there, right? Yeah, my grades increased. What, what happened? I was literally just from, from my first year, from my, first, my freshman year, I just learned, you know what, let's not, Let's not socialize as much. Let's stop making excuses. Let's get more efficient in my studying. And that's how my grades increased. With my exams, I took what I learned from my grades and I took that to exams. Don't make any excuses. Don't, don't, don't be socializing as much. Be willing to sacrifice stuff. Get the exams. For extracurriculars, extracurriculars, let me tell you this. And this is one of the things that I, I want to 
I want to emphasize the most is that extracurriculars, I started out with nothing and eventually got to multiple presidencies. How did I do that? It's literally just doing more extracurriculars. And let me tell you, the first, the first year extracurriculars I did were horrible. I did not know how to, how to do, I literally did not know how to, how, how to do tasks well. And when I started, when I first in the actual science club, right? Once I got, started getting to the, to the, what is it? The VP positions below presidency, I could manage things from my direct reports, but leadership in itself was still a foreign concept to me. And for my first presidency that I had back in college, I, I failed bad. Wow. I not not bad. Like I still had a good term. I think a lot of, I think people depending on who you ask, people tell Carlo did a okay job, good job as president. Some people said that I just did a horrible one. I wasn't able to manage my team. Don't know anything about leadership. And I want to say from that that yeah, I did not. Because guess what, leadership is you don't they don't teach you leadership in class. There's no class. Actually, there's probably some classes that might teach you, but you don't learn leadership from just reading a textbook. It's kind of like driving a car. You don't learn how to drive a car from just reading the driving manual. It's, that's, that, you don't learn it from that. You learn how to drive a car from actually getting out on the road and actually, actually driving the car, right? Leadership, it's the same thing. You don't learn, you don't learn from it. You, you don't, even going into a leadership role, you literally, I think unless you've done it before, you have no experience. And for that point, I think it gets, it gets down to how much do you actually understand people? And some people will have really good emotional intelligence. I did not. And I think that's what led me to, to fail, down, fail down those lines. And I think I learned a lot from my first presidency, the second one especially. And, and then I'm coming down to by the last few presidencies, I ended up having really good results. I, I think my, my teams have told me they, they, really, they really appreciated my leadership style and, and how I was able to mentor them and whatnot. And I think from that, like that, that was some talent. I, I failed that at the beginning, but like I said, practice makes perfect. The more times you do something, the better, the more stuff you learn from that. And I think from that, it's just literally just learning from your mistakes. And I think literally just reminding yourself that any successful person you see out there, right? Anyone you may look up to, they've had a lot of, failures behind them and I think if you have a dynamic on them with them a relationship that's strong enough then they'll 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 share that with you what they failed in so everyone's gone for it but just not everyone has talked about it no yeah that's very true um, especially in actuarial science because these exams are not easy and one of the big things is like a lot of students will, will fail or may fail their first or second exam you know during their, those attempts and they'll just kind of give up and be like whoa what happened i thought i was you know good for this and all that stuff because um personally i actually took exam exam two f or financial mathematics um i failed that actually twice before i actually passed my first exam so it's just one of the big things that you have to look at is like failure happens to everyone and you have to be able to admit it that it's okay it's around us it's gonna happen uh, but that's, that's awesome. You know, I mean, we have to be able to embrace uh, failure and also like, like you keep saying, practice makes perfect. Um, you're not expected to be the perfect person whenever you first go into something like that. Um, it's, you know, like the, like you said, with your leadership position, it's going to take time to learn that because it's not something you can really truly pick, like you said, pick up a textbook and then read about it. And then like, Oh, I'm the best leader there is now like automatically <laughs> straight from that. But, um, Fantastic insight. Thank you for that. Alrighty. So um, if you were to give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say or potentially do differently? Uh, one of the things that I keep on thinking back to is that <laughs> I, I think it's funny. It's society in itself. And this was one of the big things back in college. Right? You hear so much about college years are supposed to be the best years of your life. And I think that's one of the most gross generalizations that have ever existed. How can you generalize an experience 
to the millions of people and say to everyone that college years are supposed to be the best years of your life. After it just goes downhill, all right? So tough luck, okay? So I, I wouldn't say that because my, my college experience, I had fun because the extracurriculars I did, eventually I, I just did them because I, they were fun to do. But looking back on it, my college years, they were not, they were not like most people, right? I did, I hardly went to any parties. I did not do the traditional type of socializing. It wasn't like going out to the bars, parties, sort of just having like uh, lunches, dinners. Like that was not me. I was always majority, not majority, I was a, actually, yeah, majority always, uh, whatever. A large portion of the time, I was just in my room with my laptop in front of me, either studying for an exam. And once I was done the exam, my break would be doing extracurriculars. And once I did a lot of extracurriculars, my break from that would be studying for the next exam and going back and forth. And I did not have any, I hardly went to any parties from that. I didn't have the, those, the, the typical, what is it? Stereotypical years of college. Now from that, that was not, so I was saying that, that was not true for me. Did I, do I regret it? Not one bit. Because college years, it's just a couple of years. They only last for a couple of years. And I believe college years, it's probably the, I would say for the majority of people, it's a time of your life when you get the most marginal benefit from every hour you put in. Because guess what? And let me tell you this, once you graduate college, wherever you end up landing, right, whether, whether you actually have broken into the actual field or not, if you didn't break into the actual field by graduation, it is very difficult to do it afterwards. I've seen people do it. I've seen people do it after college. They are usually very persistent people. And I, I've talked to them as well, too, and they just said, literally, they, they didn't give up after college. But I want to say, from college right now, if you put in as much time as possible to invest in yourself, to, to develop your, your to, to, to develop yourself, uh, for extracurriculars, exams, whatever, it may be great. I think you're going to be doing wonders for yourself for your 40-year-long career in so many ways that I know for me, in college, I didn't really appreciate that enough until I graduated and I noticed just how, how much of a benefit college did for me. And I want to say for that, in the rest of the college being the best years of your life, I don't regret doing what I did because after college, I ended up traveling so much. I ended up doing a four-month grad trip after college with all the money I saved up from, from college. I visited, I traveled through at nearly 20, 20 countries in those four months across four continents. And in the last three years, since it's been three years since I graduated, it's, it's actually almost been three years since I, board, since I boarded the plane off to Europe for the first time after, after, after my, my last year. But in the last three years, I spent, I spent around eight months literally just traveling through 26 countries right now, right? In the last three years alone, I spent eight months of that traveling abroad and partying abroad as well, too. It'd be Southeast Asia, South America, Europe, uh, going to bars in Barcelona, uh, going tra traveling, enjoying, socializing so much. People literally, other backpackers around the world. I do a lot of the solo backpacking at hostels. Absolutely love that. And a lot of that has, I, I'm, I've been place in that position right now because not only from that four-month grad trip after I graduated because I had landed and secured my full-time role and they told me they told me I could start in a four months after graduation but also because of my employer right now EY they they have a structure set up where I'm able to take a lot of time off during the summer if I want to my, my first year and my first year at the end of the EY, I literally took two months and a half off and I traveled through Malaysia Indonesia and Mexico for two months and a half. Uh, the year after, last year, I traveled through Europe, Italy, France, Spain, Turkey for nearly two months. And this year, probably just stay in my bedroom. But <laughs> just from the way things are. 
But I want to say that I, all that came, I'm able to do that right now because I put in all the time and effort during college, right? And college, it's just a couple of years of effort. It's literally just a couple of years of sacrifices. And now I'm able to enjoy this. This is just a start. I'm able to do this as long as I want to for, well, for, for the next few years. And in my 30s, 40s, 50s, it's such a long time. It is, it is, it is a steal. It is a steal. Just just sacrifice just for a couple of years, literally just a couple of years. Just do a lot of exams, extracurriculars, whatever it is in college, get your full-time role. And then um, just you're able to enjoy so much from that. So from that, I want to say from that, if I were to give myself a piece of advice is what you're doing. If I were to tell myself my, my third, my junior year self is whatever you, what you're doing right now, if you're extracurriculars, exams, it's going to be such a large payoff that I can't even describe it to you in words of just how grateful you will be to have put in all the time and effort back then. And I say that because with, with let's, let's talk about the exams, right? I haven't passed seven exams by graduation date. Right now, I got, I got my FCAS a year ago, two years after graduation. And that, that was at 20, 24 years old. And what I... And that's what I wanted to do because I want to have the rest of my 20s, the second half of my 20s, 25, 26, 7, 8, 9, 30. 30's not part of 20s. Cut that. <laughs> 25 for 29. I wanted to just I wanted to just enjoy the world and not be stuck with exams the entire time. And right now I'm I've I've I have so much freedom. I have so much freedom because of that. And I, I want to tell that that whatever you put in, whatever effort hard work, sacrifices you put in, let me tell you, life is going to reward you for it. It may not be right now. It might not be tomorrow, next week, next month. Heck, it not, might not even be next year. But it will come. And before you know it, like myself, you might have traveled through dozens of countries for multiple months, for years. And all that, you'll be looking back on yourself and, and it won't even be looking back when you're 35, when you're 40. Heck, I'm right now, I'm 25. And I'm looking back on myself in my college years and I just think like that was the best decision I ever made. And so I'm gonna tell you, what, whatever you're doing right now, if you're going for tough times, keep moving forward. Because life can't beat you unless you give up. Very true, especially during this specific time uh, with COVID-19 and kind of everyone just, you know, having a hard time, um, whether they lost their internships or anything like that. We just need to really kind of keep moving forward um, and keep working, keep going, going at it, going at the grind. Because um, it is it is hard. Um, actuarial science is not easy. And, you know, we need to just keep pushing forward and make sacrifices where sacrifices are due. So that's awesome. Great story. And then last but not least, throughout your college career, you built quite an extensive resume from kind of what we've heard so far. What kept you motivated during this period? We kind of touched a little bit upon that, but um, one main motivational factor, if you can narrow it down to one, and what advice do you offer students looking to grow their soft skills as an actuarial science major? I love motivation. It's, it's, sort of, it's such a complex topic in itself um i would say the what kept me motivated it's my it's my family my parents because i like i my, my family we come from peru we immigrated to to canada and well, my parents immigrated to Canada and they had me there. So I was, and you can imagine as, as immigrant, as Hispanic immigrants um, to, to Canada, like we, we were not doing well. I was born into literal Canadian poverty. And for a good portion of my childhood, I was, we were, we were just living paycheck to paycheck. I saw my parents struggle so much and I, like even with my with my dad, I, I remember I, he would always be doing eighty hour weeks of minimum wage jobs. If if I wanted to have father son time with him, I would have to get up at seven a.m. on a Saturday, which to and 
eight, <laughs> seven, eight year old, 7 a.m. is just so early, right? I would have to get up at that point just to kick around a ball with him for half an hour. And so I, I grew up with that, right? I saw my parents in such financial stress, financial struggles. And I kept on telling myself, once I get an opportunity, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to do something. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And throughout college, once I got into it, that's where I noticed that, you know what? This is the time to put in the work, put in the effort. And no matter, and this is the things, the, the thing I would tell, tell myself, right? When I, was, when I was crying, having my breakdowns in my room, when I was taking on so many extracurriculars, exams were not, I would keep on telling myself, and, and when the temptations came around, right, about socializing, and partner or not, I would tell myself that I'll be damned if I let my parents' sacrifices, everything they've done for me, be in vain, just so in college I can go, I, I, I choose to not put in as much time, effort, and sacrifices. Like, like they, they, I feel very privileged and lucky to have studied in a first world country in North America. Because if I stayed, if we stayed back in Peru, I, I, it, I would not, I, I don't think I'd, I'd be doing well. And like, there's, it is so hard. The opportunities down there are so, they're so small and so limited. So that's what I keep on telling myself. In college, I kept on telling myself, you know what? I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how much I sacrifice for it. I'm going to do it for mom and dad. And that's what I told myself in college. And that's what really helped me keep myself motivated. And from that, I want to say a lot of, I think for motivation comes down to what's your why, right? Why are you doing what you're choosing to do? Why are you putting yourself through the stress of getting high grades, doing extracurriculars, passing these exams? Why, why are you doing it? And let me tell you, the stronger your why is, the better you'll be able to withstand the tough times. Because in the end, if, if you're why, right, if it's just to earn money, right, to earn a lot of money, once things start getting hard, you start questioning yourself like, oh, do I really want to be earning a lot of money? This is getting really hard. It's getting really mentally stressful. If, if you're doing it for other things, right, if you want to you be, if your why is because you, for, for whatever other reason, right? You can think about it from that, from the, from the money aspect. If it's not a strong enough why, eventually the, the pain, the stress, the, what you're sacrificing, is going to outdo your reason of why. And that's why for me, my wife, my parents, no matter how painful things became, no matter how much I had to sacrifice, I was not going to let, I was not going to choose the relief of pain over my parents, no matter how tough that became. All the way, up to all the way up to for, for the end of college and even uh, last year with my FCAS for for getting the FCAS I eventually ended up sitting for um, the FCAS exam seven and nine at once I tried that back in 2018 because I doubled up already in 2017 and, and passed both exams back then as a five tried it in, in 2018 and I failed both straight up failed four I got a four and a five 468 hours, gone out the window. I have nothing to show for it, right? I, got, I still remember getting the fail and fail. Wonderful, right? And I feel you that if you failed, I, I've, I've, like, it's not all, all daisies and roses. I got, I graduated with seven exams. Guess what? I failed uh, those two then. I, I 468 hours out the window. And at that point, I started, went for the next go around. For the spring 2019 sit-in, I told myself, you know what, info, right, that, right, I had a full-time job and everything and whatnot. Um, I told myself, you know what, and th this was what my why was, why was for the second sit-in was that I'm not going to let this setback define who I am. Because I noticed for myself that if I let myself back down from a challenge like this, this is just going to set a theme for the rest of my life that I'm eventually going to find it rationalized and that it's okay to back down from a challenge because you already did it before for seven and nine once you failed, remember? And you just did them one at a time. And there was no, it, like, like that was okay, right? You rationalized it. That's okay. And I told myself, you know what? No, I'm not going to tell life, tell me 
what I should be and should not be doing. I'm going to take these two again. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how much it takes. I'm going to take these two again because I'm, gonna let, I'm not going to let some pain and sacrifice take away my dream for me. And that's where I put in the second time around, I put in 550 hours of studying during business season consultant hours, right? I did both them at once, ended up passing both seven and nine scores of seven and seven. And that's what got my FCAS. And from that, I, I want to, I want to highlight with that for, for motivation, it goes back to not making excuses, right? I was not going to let myself make the excuse just because I'm working business season consultant hours that I'm not going to study for these two at once. You know what? Business season consultant hours, you know what? Try me. You know what? Because I'm getting this. And yeah, I would say that, that's in regards to, to the motivation there for the short answer. <laughs> I should imagine <laughs> you like there. Um, but I think for the second part, for soft skills as an actual science major, extracurriculars literally just extracurriculars do them it literally just comes to extracurriculars um i think in regards to the time aspect of it because i know for myself back in my freshman year far to if, if i were to be told right just do my extracurriculars i was doing i was already doing a lot back then i'll tell you like i don't have the time right who has the time right who who has the time let me tell you like who who raised who, who has the time to do multiplex or curriculars in, in, in a row or do multiple exams, right? And I would have I told myself back then that, you know what? It's not about having the time. It's about making the time, right? Because no one has the time, but everyone has priorities. If something is important not enough to do, you'll make it a priority and you'll make the time for it. And I think that's just, that's just, I think, a hard, harsh truth of society. And another harsh truth of that, um, uh, we're talking employment wise competitive wise right is if you're not making the time someone else is making the time and when it comes to the interview if i i would not want to be up against someone who made the time and i and i did not make the time because they will get the job offer over me because they they're the ones who invest in the most in themselves because of that they're the one who shines the most in the interview they have the most things to talk about meanwhile i don't um i think that's i i hate saying that i, I really I, I i hate i hate saying that because it's harsh it really is harsh but that's that's what it ultimately comes down to and I, the more you start i think searching up motivational topics and whatnot a lot of one of the big themes that comes in motivational videos topics whatnot is literally just making the time. So for soft skills, yeah, extracurriculars, networking, and remembering that practice makes perfect, and literally that everyone starts out somewhere. Fantastic insights, and I guess one of the big takeaways from this, and just every aspect, is practice does make perfect. If you want to be the best at in anything you do, you have to put in the time and the effort to really master that specific area of, or subject area or whatnot. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just one of the things of life, I guess you could say, but it's, it's something to really live by, which is awesome. And um, you obviously showed that and, and in everything that you've done and kind of everything you shared with us today. So Carlo, thank you so much for taking the time out to really share your insights and your story on, on how you came to be where you are um, and, and everything with that. And, highlighting that failure is okay and everyone does fail and even though it's not seen or not many people broadcast it it's gonna happen no matter who you are um but carlo this was fantastic i, I love getting to chat with you um this was awesome and thank you for having coming on today yeah definitely thank you so much matt i really appreciate it fantastic well without further ado we will be signing off now